This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And you're listening to File Underwater, the show where we try to convince you that R.E.M. was America's greatest rock band. And this week um, is our finale. Uh, we have kind of a grab bag show featuring some letters, featuring some uh, final singles, actually, and uh, um, something pretty special, which I'm going to play coy on because uh, because uh, even though you can see that in the show notes, uh, it's still it, it would still still be a fun surprise. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like, you know, I don't. I, I, I guess I'll, I'll go along with you on this. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll hold. I'll hold water with you. Okay. Um. Yeah. Last. Uh, last episode of the show. Um. There were still some kind of odds and sods. Uh. For us to cover in general. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, primarily. Uh. In this. Uh. This kind of final greatest hits that they put out, and people have been paying attention, and people who know their discography, know that, like, God, R.E.M. has put out a lot of greatest hits, mm-hmm. uh, especially in their kind of late Warner Brothers years. Um, but this made sense to do kind of a definitive version. And, like, looking at the track list, like, this is the, this is what you want. Of course. Um, as, far, as far as that goes. So we got to hit, hit the new songs that are on that. But then also just, uh, it's going to be nice to do the kind of the the, the farewell. Yeah. Uh, the, to the, the show, which has been fun to do. It definitely has. It's been a fun, uh, fun experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this uh, this compilation uh, is called Part Lies, Part Heart, Part Truth, Part Garbage, uh, which is a name taken from an interview in 1988 where Peter Buck was trying to, to describe what R.E.M. was. It's also weird because fully 25% of it are garbage songs. <laughs> so, like, it, it, it's you, you'll have, like, you know, <laughs> I'll take the rain, but then it's, like, only happy when it rains. <laughs> And like, whoa, what is going on, guys? <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Like, Shirley what? Manson's all well and good, but like, what are you doing? Huh? <laughs> okay, so I don't quite, I don't quite get the joke you were go, you were going for. Is it garbage? As in the like the late nineties pop band yeah. garbage? Okay, yeah, I gotcha. Famous okay. for I'm only happy when it rains and like probably some other fucking song. I don't know. <laughs> pa- 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 paranoid. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I I actually hate that band. <laughs> it is really obnoxious. Paranoid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I see. I, I I was gonna go more with like. You could also well, go. A quarter of it was heart. So it's like you sit down and you listen to you know. I would be uh, take it, walk it back, and then it's like bam, barracuda. Yeah. So <laughs> why why is the second half of the second disc just all crazy on you? I'm not yeah, angry. I'm just confused. Yeah. It's a uh, it's those SJWs and REM have gone too far, giving away <laughs> half their greatest hits album to two seminal lady rock bands. <laughs> oh, oh, from different eras, yeah. Part lies, part heart, part truth, part garbage, part Saint Vincent, <laughs> <laughs> part just the ladies from Bell and Sebastian. Okay, at, at what <laughs> at what point does this just become like a, they 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 turn on a radio and a tape recorder at the same time and mm. and just whoever they happen to to hear? Right, right. Oh, weird. It's like most of it is just like, you know, instrumental takes outtakes from Taylor Swift albums. Huh, weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> Instead of that, uh, it is the thing that you said it was. Yes. Um, and, and this was uh, so this was released on November 11th, 2011, um, after the band had already announced their split. Yes. So it yeah. was announced kind of like right along with it. Like, hey, we're, we're out. Here's the definitive greatest hits if you want to want to get in. Yeah. If you want to if you want to hop in on this. Um, the thing that makes this special and somewhat notable, uh, in the grand scheme of all of their greatest hit stuff is that this actually combines things from both the IRS years and the Warner brothers years. Yeah. And it, and it has songs from claps in it now, which is something that, you know, you'd really want. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So it is a pretty comfortable recommendation mm-hmm. for REM dilettantes uh, out there. Yeah. Uh, um, there are three kind of bonus songs on it. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't aware of this story. This didn't come up in any of my reading about Collapse Into Now, um, about how these were done, because apparently when they were talking, you know, when they had finished up recording Collapse Into Now, they just kind of got together and said, hey, what if we decided to go it alone and do and, and continue as an independent act? Um, outside of the Warner Brothers um, kind of recording contract structure. And they took these um, two demos and then one original song and decided, well, let's just make them with, uh, with have I said Lightning Hopkins, with, uh, with, with Jackknife Lee um, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and see how it works. And that's how, we, that's how we got these from that kind of failed attempt to look at what the band would look like post Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh Weirdly enough, like, I don't think any of these songs are super great. Right. Um, I don't, I don't miss them. Like if they were going to continue on, like, let's say they took these three, these demos, you know, and they're going to make an independent next album. Mm-hmm. And these three were like the first songs they came up with. Um, you know, it doesn't bode like super well. No. To me, you know, I don't, I don't think any of these are very good. Um, it's a weird thing. Like, and that almost happened with the last one too. Like bad day. I liked, and that was an old song, but I don't like animal very much. Like mm-hmm. these weird kind of, these make more sense to me as like kind of tossed off extras than the beginning of something new. Definitely. Um, like this would be something we would have to wait until 2036 to see otherwise, you yeah. know, on collapse and now's 25th anniversary or whatever. Um, yeah. That, and th- that's what they feel like <laughs> yeah. to me is just kind of like, I would, like these songs weren't good enough for our last album. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. throw them on here. So, um, which is not the, best basis for a new project we know they've done yeah. that a lot you know they, they they have stowaways from one to the other but um but yeah this isn't their best stuff and it makes sense for them to you know that independence angle would have been a reasonable other tact to take because when they were considering you know considering staying in the band they were probably thinking like that of that in terms of like oh shit we're gonna be on the hook for five more albums because yeah. that's just kind of how this works like you know, so somebody was the voice of reason and said, well, not necessarily, you know, we can, <laughs> we can do whatever we want. And then they still decided, yeah. you know, to, to break it up. Yep. They, yeah. They, they, they collectively on the thought of renegotiating another, another con or another contract, I can imagine them all having like a Bill Barry commitment freak out kind of thing. Like, yeah. oh gosh, we're going to have to be on the tour for this long or yeah. Totally. No, yeah. No. So um, you know, they decided to give it up. So there's three songs uh, that are extra in addition to just kind of a, a pretty great track list, I think. Mm-hmm. And we should we should mention that, too. Like, I think this is actually like a a really well-considered greatest hits. Like, you want a greatest hits that has Leaving New York on it. Mm-hmm. But that's it. You know, like. <laughs> yep, we'll just breeze right past that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't need Wanderlust to be on there just because it was a single. So, like, this is actually, like, well curated, mm-hmm. you know, for for what it is. Um, and there aren't there aren't like glaring omissions, right? Right. Like I could imagine putting this on and listening to it all the way through. Yeah, you know, like yeah, it does a really good job. It starts out with gardening, gardening at night. Then over the course of these two discs, it works all the way up um, through each album chronologically um, until it gets to the stuff from Collapse into Now. So Uber Lino, My Heart alligator and then the three original songs so like they didn't yeah. they didn't put these three original new songs like smack dab in the middle of you know the the, the out of time tracks yeah they didn't try to sneak them in right so you know, like you like, witness set list right this is so this, this this feels like a very good document to me mm-hmm. yeah um so let's talk about those those songs yes the the, the last new rem songs we're going to talk about <laughs> 
uh, bittersweet. Um, no. Not bittersweet me. That was that was a while so back. Entirely different. Very um, different. Um, so uh, there's a song called "A Month of Sundays." Month of Saturdays. Month of Saturdays. Sorry. A month of Sundays um, is the saying. Yeah. Well, and there's there's other songs called. There's a moto song called that that I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is um, like a pretty straightforward rock song. Right. Um, not a whole lot going on. Sounds a lot like a demo. Feels like a demo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think a couple of these were Mills joints. I think this and then we all go back uh, was a Mills written one. This uh, mm-hmm. was designed to sound a little bit like a pylon song. Has kind of mm. that 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 repetitive simple riffiness to it is is, uh, yeah. is, is what comes through and, and Mills has said that like in in interviews about this, um, but it's pretty anemic actually yeah. for being as like riff based as it is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it feels very tossed off to me. Yeah, sounds like a B side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is is fine for what it is, mm-hmm. but not un- unessential. I think is how I describe all these. Yeah. Um, also, Hallelujah. Um, very which, happy like, this isn't just a cover of the Leonard Cohen song because oh, they we gotta stop calling songs <laughs> hallelujah man yep because <laughs> like Leonard Cohen like did that and I think it's kind of done <laughs> yep you know like it, it's like uh that, you know that song I like I think that is a, a beautiful song that has been covered and treated and played to absolute like oblivion and almost worthlessness oh yeah it, you know? it has been like, it, it has been stomped to, to a stain on the ground when like the you know post uh, election having everyone on my Facebook timeline uh, posting Kate McKinnon dressed up as Hillary Clinton singing it on Saturday Night Live. Oh God, no, no, yeah, no. which is got to be one of the cringiest things that oh. like has ever happened. Gary, you know, I, and like I, I was so sad about. I want to like I want to sink through the floor. <laughs> yeah, it, it puts me right in the sunken place. Like, it is. Yeah. I mean, that's not that's not a good use of the sunken place. Sunken no. place is real, but yeah. it, it is. Uh, it is. It's waja. You know, it's just like oh yeah, and there's just like how that is how kind of commodified that song can become. Right. And just like, it just like that, that claim is staked, Mm -hmm. you know, like that is already such a thing. Like naming a song. Hallelujah. Just feels like misguided. It does. Maybe not as misguided as mine smell like honey, but like, it's very (laughs) misguided, (laughs) you know, it's misguided for different reasons. Yeah. Is what I would say. Different sides of the, the, the snipe snipe coin. <laughs> um, so this is something that's kind of in the in the same vein as like a like a swan swan hummingbird almost. Like I I wrote it down here as an aggressive slash mean acoustic ballad. Yeah, or like um, um uh the final straw or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it feels a little bit protesty. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then um, it's just it's all it's all verse until the final hallelujah refrain, which has some good instrumental stuff going on, but. You can tell that it's mostly overdub. So yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's it's confident, you yeah. know. Um, and then finally the single that came from it, like the one that has a video, like the new song that they actually put out, is a song called "We All Go Back to Where We Belong," mm-hmm. um, which like is kind of a sweet song that I wish was like melodically stronger. Yes, um, is kind of like the big thing for me. I think that's a good takeaway. Um, I yep. want it to be better, Espe- yeah. especially because like. I don't know. It feels poetically accurate. Like, Oh, we all go back to where we belong. It feels appropriate rather, um, mm-hmm. you know, for like the final song to say like, yep, you know, the, 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 there's an air of resignation to that title and to the song itself. And just the, the song is not there to back that yeah. idea up. Yep. Like, you know, very sweet, very sweet idea. Like, but just the, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, if you put a, it, put a gun to my head, it'd be hard for me to hum it. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's just, it's pretty forgettable, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 
um in the video i have no idea <laughs> either of them i have no idea what to do with either of them yeah it yeah it's kind of it's it's a strange thing so there's two of them and they're black and white footage of either kirsten dunst or john uh, giorno uh, who was a poet and it's just kind of like do you want to look at kirsten dunst kind of like being a little bit uncomfortable yep. you know like just kind of uh having a camera on her and with you know just do whatever you want mm-hmm uh, for three minutes or a picture of an old man, uh, doing such. <laughs> yep. It's like, well, yeah, okay. So choose your own you know? adventure. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of quite the adventure it is. Um, the, uh, but it is very much like a, uh, uh, like, you know, stipey art fuck mm-hmm. video. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen again, knowing this would be the last one, something a yeah. little bit more, uh, maybe up the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but it, feel, it feels like a, like a goodbye, mm-hmm. you know, is, is the idea here. Yeah. It's a good collection. Um, you know, when I talk about mining for, mining for singles on some of these old, uh, old albums, you know, this, this collection does that for you, mm-hmm. you know? So there, there are definitely worse places to start. I would say like, you know, this and the, the 39 songs at Dublin or whatever it was are, are pre a pretty good survey. Yeah, I, I think that one is a little too accelerate heavy. Like it's like half accelerate, which is not a good enough record. Like I would still, I think this is a a, a more unqualified recommendation. Yeah, yeah. The Dublin thing is very good as far as like live records go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's cool to hear like a lot of that stuff live. Yeah. Um, but as far as like kind of greatest hits or experiential things, mm-hmm. that feels more like really, really good for fans. Yeah, yeah. To me, um, this feels like this is good for anybody. Yeah. So good starting place. Um, you should pick it up if you are somehow got to the end of the show and don't own any REM. <laughs> um, these guys didn't die. No, um, they're around. Let's uh, let's do our final REM about town. What have these guys been up to? Oh, Gary, I, I'm going to have to like leave this leave this file open. Like, don't edit this. Don't put it up because God knows our fucking luck. Something terrible will happen. Yeah, I guess. Uh, between... Yeah, we're, we're recording this on the day Tom Petty died. Yes. Um. So it just the mortality is in the in the news. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Knock yeah. on wood. I'm not saying that to be morbid or anything. It just, if because of the recent news, it feels very loaded to say these guys are still alive because you're not going to be with us forever. Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, that is what happens. Yep. So it is, uh, it sucks. It is this thing now that we are at this age where, mm-hmm. you know, people who create pop culture, that's, that's important to you tend to be about 30 years older than you mm-hmm. and people about 30 years older than us start to die. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so where have they been? Um, Bill Barry has remained committed to his life as a farmer. Uh, he's only performed sporadically, uh, yep. uh for benefits and stuff. And that's a theme. I look, across I look at the notes here. It was just like, what has Bill Barry been up to? And it just says sorghum and that's it. <laughs> so I don't, he's been up to his eyes in corn. <laughs> yep. Once it's up to his eyes, it's time to harvest. Yep. It's <laughs> also a little known fact. Clock, <laughs> Bill Barry tall as an elephant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and he had a son in 2003. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh so good good for him. He's he's stuck to his guns. Yep. Um Mike Mills uh is continues, you know, be part of a band, this band called the Baseball Project, mm-hmm. uh with Peter Buck and either Whole Staple or one of the one of the each guys. <laughs> uh one of, you know, one of their their guys. Um I would like to see that band mm-hmm. um at some point. And they do tour from time to time. They mostly just kind of play, you know where where in, they happen to be. Where they happen to be and where they happen to live. Um, but he's, you know, he's been on some kind of like other, you know, he kind of dips in, does some things, uh, here and there. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, he, Mike Mills is one of the more active people on media. 
actually. Yes. Like if there are interviews that, uh, you know, about anything related to uh, R.E.M., Mills is going to be going to be the one who's kind of out in front. Yeah, he does the press tours and stuff, too. He's like the we're on, on the, the verge of the automatic for the people mm-hmm. uh, 25th anniversary. And he's doing like, you know, going to be touring for that, which I know from following him on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, which you M should do. Millsy, which everyone should do. Yeah, underscore um, Millsy. I talked over you there. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> it's OK. Um, I have a Mike Mills story. OK. The um, so I started uh, playing music with a guy mm-hmm. um, to, to give that a shot again. It's a guy named Andrew. And uh, we had our first practice, uh, and he uh, is a big REM fan and listened to some of the show. And he was, told me a story about Mike Mills where he was in a band, uh, I believe it was in L.A., and um, the band that played, that they opened for, or that they played, a band played before them, and it was like tons of people were there. It was like a, you know, a, a packed house. Yeah. And he found out it was like some record producer, somebody in the industry's like side band. Okay. Like they, some old man blues band or what have you. <laughs> it's always um, blues. It's always fucking blues. It's, it's, yeah, it's some kind of you know some kind of nonsense, right? So you know, and uh, he found out like they were there was there, and Mike Mills was there in the audience because uh, Mike Mills was friends with with the guy. So they you know the band plays, the room clears out, and then they get on stage, and like there are like twelve people who are there, but Mike Mills is one of them, and so like they're looking down on the the crowd, and there's like twelve people, you know. <laughs> Fully 10% of which are Mike Mills, um, you know, and get ready to play their set. And then, you know, that was just kind of a nice expression of Mike Mills being like, of course, Mike Mills is going to stay for the, yeah, you know, the, the, the local band that, that is not super popular. And he didn't stay for the whole set, but I was just like, oh, that is like a, a very sweet, very Mike Millsy story. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That is, uh, that, that, that is very good. So one of my regrets about this, about this show, and I feel like it might be a little bit of an oversight, but it also would be a little bit socially awkward. I went to I went to school for um, like film film related stuff like media uh, mm-hmm. things and my you know I, I was on primarily a video track. My professor who I was really close with went to school in Athens and was basically part of this scene mm. way back like way back in the day like play, played alongside them. I could I could say the name of the band and say his name and all that uh, like you know, they never got famous or anything, but like he most definitely has stories and has talked about REM in the past. It would just be socially awkward to go to him and say, Hey, can I mind you for content for the show that I do that yeah. four people listen to? Yeah. yeah. So that may be grounds for a conversation later. So listen, listen to other stuff. If I happen to be at a, at a reunion and I talk to him and you know, well, or if we do that, that REM, pilgrimage yes and if, it, if that gains momentum mm-hmm. um so to speak <laughs> the uh, uh you know we, we'll we'll do you know a special report or something like that yeah yeah there's nothing you know we don't burn the rss feed down <laughs> no. when the show ends so if there's other rem news or like let's say you know they won't reunite let's say mm-hmm. they reunite and we get to go see them or something like that that mm-hmm. would be worth reconvening yes so people who do like this show those, those uh you know even though we we play up how few people listen to the show it's yeah. not for but <laughs> right. it's just you know it's just it judging on a curve but those uh-huh. people who do like we appreciate people listen to it for sure and uh you know if something awesome happens like we will we'll dig it up yeah we'll uh, uh, the, the, this ending is not as final as rem ending yes right yeah it's not like um and there's nowhere else to put the stuff it's not like bonfireside chat where like if bloodborne 2 comes out we're, we we can put it on waff Mm-hmm. Like if REM puts out a new album, it'd be very weird for us to cover it on Watch Out for Fireballs. <laughs> so <laughs> like, yeah. we shan't. We sh- we we shall not. So yeah. all of that is you know temptations for you know it is potential that is held in suspension until it crystallizes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Um, so Milzy, who I would very much like to meet, uh, but also not because I would just no one. What am I going to say to the man? Um, I, I I think I could do it. Out of all the yeah. guys, like I could, I could. Oh, of I all, could the, do it, of yeah. all the guys, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But I just, I just mean, in, just kind of in general. Like I was, I was at a, a food cart and Todd Glass was there, and I couldn't like talk to him. And like that guy's super approachable and way less famous. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, just, there's just something about Mike Mills that I feel like is just like a welcoming, like, yeah. like a like a, a aircraft carrier. As, as wide as a country you're just like come in for a landing cleared like, for a landing friend yeah cleared cleared for hugs like just go you know <laughs> go in and put your arms around the boy yeah you know <laughs> it feels like to me they're, they're it's big. like a game genie on a top gun nes cart like you just <laughs> you just land it the, 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 there have been occasions like oh gosh it happened recently i was i was i was a little bit drunk and i was just like late night like okay i'm just winding down and then I, I just pulled up a live performance of like near wild heaven and tweeted like, "Tell me, M. Milsey isn't the greatest force for good?" It's mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I just uh, that 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 is as close as I can get, as creepy as that is. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. um, but he remains active in fantasy sports for the NFL, NBA, and PGA. Um, and I would yeah. be very curious to speak with him about how fantasy golf works. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that works either. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, Peter Buck has pretty much not changed anything at all. Nope. <laughs> uh, he's still just in like a thousand bands. Like he'd started diversifying his portfolio way early, mm-hmm. you know, and then just, so this seems like it has had the least impact on him. Yes. So very, very active musician. Yeah. Uh, he did a solo album, which is fine. Um, I, I can't get that, that into it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't really like him outside of a pop context. Right. Um, and he kind of doesn't do a lot of it. No, so. no. Um, also, it's very strange to have a solo album from a from a non vocal performer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just and, and I don't I don't have an awful lot of affection for Joseph Arthur, who is the person he teamed up with. I don't. Yeah, I don't even really know who that is. Yeah. Um, earlier this year in 2017, um, he did this uh, like real throwback of a song called uh, called Any Kind of Crowd with a supergroup called Filthy Friends. It's him, Scott McAfee. Bill Rieflin, okay, so basically half of REM as of the time they mm-hmm. ended, um, along with uh, Kurt Bloch and uh, Corin Tucker. And if you listen to it, and if uh, listen to it, and if uh, you know, if I told you that it came out in 1990 as opposed to uh, to 2017, you would believe it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I I listened to this. Uh, somebody on our Slack brought that to to my attention, mm-hmm. and like it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to again though. I don't I don't think I'm gonna follow it. No. I like Corn yeah. Tucker just fine, but yeah, I mean, I, I do too. Like, yeah. but just fine in like a literal <laughs> sense, right? You know, just fine. Um, Michael Stipe uh, continues to kind of do benefit appearances and collaborations. Um, he did a, a team up with Fisher Spooner. This song called "Have Fun Tonight." Um, has don't, don't, an don't, awesome. Don't watch that video at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it, uh, it is. Uh, it. Um, I, I don't say this pejoratively. It is incredibly gay. Okay. Um, they like that, that, that is the subject matter of it, of like going out to a club. Um, it has like a, like a seventies, like mustache daddy kind of aesthetic to it. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's super neat, but it is also, it, it is, it is definitely, uh, uh, let's, let's say piquant in okay. how, how, how strong it's kind of, uh, homoerotic content is, um, like okay. se- sexual even, let's just say that it's very sexual. Yeah. It's not just like gay guys, like having dinner parties. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he also kind of, you know, not most notably, but pretty notably, uh, has like a gigantic, awesome mountain man beard. (laughs) 
and uh, just like, fa- like facial piercings alongside that. Yeah, he looks incredible. Like he's yeah. such a cool looking old man. <laughs> um, you know, old men are real. Like I was talking to uh, your friend and mine, um, Zach, uh-huh. from the video game hot dog thing, and he was talking about we were talking about REM, and he was saying how like. Uh, Peter Buck and Mike Mills still have like the young guy haircuts, but they have old guy faces and old guy hair mm-hmm. and it looks ridiculous. Yep. Like they need to cut their hair and like, you know, Peter Buck, man, <laughs> like yeah. he, he does seem like he's starting to look like a, um, like a haunted house decoration a little bit, <laughs> you know, like he's going to host, like he's one of the guys who is not the Crypt Keeper, but like, you know, there's the Crypt Keeper and then there was like the, the haunt of horror and then the spooky skeleton and all those hosts mm-hmm. of those different things. Like he kind of looks like one of those Yeah. now, um, and just, uh, but I think Michael Stipe is just killing it uh-huh. with how, how to look cool as an old guy. Yeah. Which is look weirder. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, gigantic, like, man, he's always been able to have that power to grow that beard. Yep. Um, the biggest thing that I saw him, uh, do, or the thing that, uh, when David Bowie died, he did a really great performance of a couple of David Bowie songs, Yeah. um, on some late night show. Yeah. Uh, those are easily available on YouTube and are, are very good. Yes. Um, I'm particularly fond of the man who sold the world. His, yeah. his version of that, um, yep. which it's very spare, stripped down. Uh, you know, his voice is front and center uh, on it. But uh, the person who plays piano to back him on that does a very good job with it. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah. it's haunting. Even more it's haunting the, than that song actually is. <laughs> yeah, which is already pretty, you know, uh, pretty affecting. And it's cool to have somebody else kind of claim that space after Nirvana mm-hmm. did their cover of it, which is like a cover that I like a lot. But, yeah. um, you know, there's there's room for R.E.M. to do it as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so all three, yeah, like I said, all four of them are still alive, still doing shit. Yeah. Um, of a, of a piece. None of it is as vital or essential as REM, except for perhaps like Mike Mills Twitter feed, but yeah. the, uh, yeah. Yeah. And who, who knows about how that sorghum goes? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows where it goes? Like, can you imagine like if he farms something, he's a commercial farmer that like we, we have maybe eaten food that yeah. Bill Berry has grown. Yeah. Just like we're just, we were, we were just on a road trip and, uh, just just a little bit of some kind of vegetable made its way yeah yeah it's, I, it's I a thought weird about thought. that yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah um yeah so that's a yeah that's kind of where they're at and that's kind of where where rem is mm-hmm. and goes um we got some some letters to read from from you guys uh again you know we we exaggerate how few people listen there are some people listen we thank you guys for participating yes um yeah i'll go ahead and get us started here with joe uh joe says via contact Hey guys, I'll avoid the temptation to generally gush about the show and the network in general, but suffice it to say that this has been a very enjoyable deep dive into the works of one of my favorite bands, although I could have happily gone to my grave without knowing that Airport Man existed. (laughs) Um, R.E.M. have been with me all my life, from my dad playing Out of Time and Automatic on repeat during the early days of my childhood to the delight of discovering Murmur and the entire IRS catalog while studying at university. I wanted to share one particular aspect of my uh, entanglement with the band. I went through a period in my teens of struggling to come to terms with my sexuality, and as a sweet indie rock loving boy, felt a disconnect with the musical uh, orthodoxy peddled by gay bars and, indeed, most of my gay friends. Which is to say, fuck you, Gaga, and your cynical piece of shit. And shit is S, like, uh, you know, parentheses, hit. Uh So piece of hit. (laughs) The uh, born this way. And that was me uh, editorializing to explain the syntax. Um, In the presence of these false gods and their empty music, I was determined to build my own personal pink pantheon of alternative queer musical heroes. I'd heard a little of Michael Stipe's public statements on his sexuality at that point, but he really cemented a place in that pantheon when I went to see the band on their 2008 Accelerate tour. It had been Manchester Pride that weekend, and it was to my delight that Michael Stipe had come out uh, with rainbow colors on his face to announce 
that they were going to do some old songs especially to celebrate it. They turned out to be Pretty Persuasion, So Fast, So Numb, and Seven Chinese Brothers, uh, the first of which seemed really fitting as it always spoke to me as being about uh, confused sexuality. My friend who accompanied me was markedly less impressed by this. At the end of uh, that part of the gig, he turned to me and remarked dryly, well, that was all very gay, wasn't it? Uh, (laughs) Accurate statement. Yeah. uh, He's an extremely gay musician. Yeah. (laughs) That would have been very cool to see. I would have, oh, yeah. I would have been down for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. You know, he, he does, um, you know, there is something to that point of like, so I'm not, you know, I'm on the, on the Kinsey scale. Like I'm, you know, I'm pretty straight, mm-hmm. but, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to express this in the way that acknowledges that I am not the shitty person I was as a kid. Michael's type was one of the first examples I saw of somebody who was, I knew to be gay or queer but didn't have uh, signifiers like wasn't Harvey Firestein or John Waters, you know, right. Well, you know, what wasn't, uh, didn't, you, didn't you, signal as hard. You couldn't like clock him based yes. on the way he pre- pre- presented. Right. So there was like something to, you know, even as a straight kid, like seeing Michael Stipen being like, Oh, like it really is just people. Right. You know, like, of course I knew that intellectually, but you, you have to learn that at some point you do. And you know, you, you learn that by exposure. Because yes. God knows the media or, um, you know, just generally hearing about people, you know, <laughs> man, this, this is hard to talk about. God knows hearing about queer people is, you know, secondhand is not going to do an awful lot to help you. No. And well, and just, the, you know, you, you see examples. So there, there weren't going to be out, you know, people who are gay and out in my town until I got into high school. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen when I was in like middle school because of the, the stigma in the, the shitty little town I grew up in. So like my examples were uh Characters like Hollywood from the Mannequin films, <laughs> uh, who is a very bad stereotype, or Lamar from Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, geez. Yeah. You know, like that was the kind of thing uh, mm-hmm. that I saw. So when I remember when I read like, you know, the the biographies I read of R.E.M., when I, I kind of rolled R.E.M. into my identity, like, and I'm talking about this stuff, it was kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember really specifically one of the, the books said, uh, like, had a quote from him where he said something was gender fucked. <laughs> and I remember like thinking like, yeah, gender fucked. Yeah, there you go. Like, yeah, what you know what? It was just kind of a, a compelling idea from somebody who I already had tons of trust baked in mm-hmm. uh, and tons of appreciation. Yeah. For. So it's like it is not probably overstating anything to say that like Michael's type sexuality had an impact on me being a better person, mm-hmm. you know, and getting over the kind of passive shitty teenage homophobia that was really common in the 90s. Yes. You know, was the style at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. And by the time I got into R.E.M., his sexuality and, you know, his outness was kind of established for a while, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, just because of our age difference. Uh, and that was a little bit less of a a little bit less of a, um, you know, thing, I, you know, I, I guess. I don't, I don't know how to say this. So like that, it didn't have as big of an impact on me by that by that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm going to read here. Mike, who says via contact, I'm a recent convert to the podcast and I'm still working my way through the episodes in a random order. So forgive me if I've misunderstood what your letters episodes are about. If I've understood properly, uh, you're letting you're inviting letters slash comments from the audience. So I have a question. Have you come across this blog popsongs.wordpress.com? There'll be a link in the notes. Uh, it's a really interesting blog where the author deconstructs all of REM songs 
from the start up to uh, from the start up to and including around the sun. His interpretations are interesting, but obviously subjective, as are all opinions. Uh, the really inter- interesting part is that Michael Stipe opened opened himself up to the uh, up to questions from the audience right at the end of the author's mission to write about every REM song. So the last five or so blog posts uh, are Michael's answers to the questions that is that he has asked. My question to you is, uh, does any of what Michael says give you cause to reevaluate any of the judgments that you made about the music? And if so, which songs and why? Um, been a fan since about 1987-ish, uh, when I was given a tape with Fables on one side and Life's Rich Pageant on the other. Uh, seen them a few times live, uh, and I miss their voice and worldview. Your podcast has given me a reason to recall why they were so important to me, for which I am grateful. Um, Gary, I, no, I, I, I neglected to send this to you. <laughs> oh no, that's that's okay. I'm I'm familiar. Okay, with it, I've, I've read at least the uh, the Ask Michael Stipe parts. Mm-hmm. I haven't read a bunch of the guy's analysis of the songs because um, it's kind of you know what we do and right, right. I, I was okay missing it. Um, it's an interesting idea, but it's like you know, again, we kind of do it. Yeah. Um, the uh, but I've, I've read a bunch of these Ask Michael Stipe things, and they're really good. Um, one of the things I really like is that uh, you know, some people are pretty critical mm-hmm. uh, that comes through. And he has a good response to that. Um, generally, like he's you know mildly defensive, but also kind of analytical about it in a way that I like. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. It, I don't think it changed anything that I thought. Like it all is pretty much in line with what I think of him already. Yeah. Yes. It is. It's it's good to get his impressions of uh, later songs, especially mm-hmm. you know. After after Hi-Fi, when all this stuff kind of dropped off, you know, especially our book, where, you know, with the song by song analysis, we just don't have an awful lot to go on um, unless, yeah. you know, unless a site like Songfacts has gathered a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. It's a good resource, mm-hmm. you know, for people out there kind of generally. So uh, check that out, um, especially this type stuff is good. He's also done a couple Q and a things on their like AOL group, <laughs> you know, uh, that are, uh, kind of interesting to read as well. Yeah. So he's, he's done a bunch of this kind of touch. Mm-hmm. Those are, um, uh, those are cataloged. Yeah. 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 Those are out there. So thanks Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we haven't brought them up before cause I have read them, but it's, it's also, I didn't read them in relation to this show. No. Like I read them a while back. Mm-hmm. So I probably could have stood to review and, and, uh, and didn't. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, and finally, Sean <clears throat> says by contact. I started listening to REM in 1989 as a freshman in high school. Back then, we bought tapes. The first CD I ever owned was on Mac for the People, which I won from a radio station because I was the first caller to get a trivia question right. <laughs> Everything released before 2000, I see through rose-colored glasses, and it's hard for me to hear the music critique of older songs. But I appreciate the honest analysis, and I'm a friend to anyone who claims REM. Uh, that said, I had never thought about REM music in a critique of musical elements. It makes it hard sometimes to hear some of the beating, uh, some of the beatings, some of the songs and albums take. But if I listen uh, through to the end, the sharp comment at the beginning of the album ends up getting softened by the back end of the episode. The reality is when you quantify your favorite band's catalog, in your heart, you may like a particular song. Your honest analysis discovers it's rather weak, but you still like it. For me, these songs laid the groundwork for my musical preferences now. 
But as a much older adult, I can definitely see the warts on the old lady and recognize them as ugly. But in the end, I still love my grandma. <laughs> in regards to warts, Bill Barry is my favorite member. While Stipe is the voice, Barry is the glue in my mind, as evidenced by everything after 2000. So I shake my fist whenever I hear the phrase, another bummer from the drummer. Uh, that, that's me saying that. That's about everybody hurts. Um, I want to speak uh, to the critique of the directness of the lyrics. Uh, back in the day, the internet consisted of a closed, net uh, closed networks like Prodigy and CompuServe. You couldn't see anything outside of the hosted network. Prodigy has bulletin boards where people would post messages. And in the music group under R.E.M., R.E.M. and the Rembrandts, I don't know why, uh, users would profess their love of their favorite song, debate lyrics, their meaning, everyone's ultimate track listing, the existence of bootlegs, and offers to send them to you uh, via cassette tape in the mail, and people's crazy stories. But at the time, there were honest debates uh, on what, uh, what the words to the songs were and what they meant. There was no official lyric source back then, so the first half of the catalog were, a mystery, were mystery lyrics to most folks. Uh, so it is like Christmas all the time being able to find a podcast, videos on YouTube, albums available on demand, and bootlegs that you can download. I think my ultimate fan experience was catching the concert in Atlanta in 1999 when, uh, when Bill Berry filled in for drums uh, that night. That's awesome that you were there for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, the thing that, I mean, I kind of expected that last paragraph to to end differently. I think he's talking about when we talk about Michael Stipe moving from being kind of mysterious to more direct with lyrics mm -hmm. and how now that uh, you can kind of read those early lyrics, like before they weren't really sure what was being said. Right. But it doesn't, I didn't get Sean's take on now that the lyrics are direct. I only got his take on now that it's easier to find that they, what they are. Right, um, right. So it, I think, and, and I'm kind of filling in some blanks here and what Sean wrote. Um, I, I think that what he's trying to say is that like the the directness and you know straightforwardness of those lyrics once that finally happened, it settled a lot of discussion because there was no no debate about what he said or what he meant. Yeah, right? you know. Yeah. So like that shift served a purpose. I think is what he is is what he's saying. I, I guess I guess that's true. I guess uh, part of it, though, that's kind of predicated on one, like thinking those debates about the meaning are bad, right? Like debates about what's being said, arguably bad, mm -hmm. you know, what actually the words are. But the debate about the meaning, like leaving it ambiguous is like a, a area a of value. taste, I think. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just a value you have or don't where like mm -hmm. I like things not being spelled out and you know, laid on fireside chat, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I, I like putting things together. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean. This might also be a direct, kind uh, um, kind of a direct comment on our disdain for um, everybody hurts. I, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. I just don't. I was just trying to figure out how it's related to being able to look up lyrics anytime. Yeah, yeah. You want like they seem like two different. That's why I got confused. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, the uh, and you know, like I, I do, I do. You know, I maintain that that disdain. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's it is a, it is a taste thing, and it plays through to other musicians as well. You know, like it is uh, just kind of a value I have in music. Yeah. Um, so, so most bands I really love are not super direct in their their meaning. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Your your, but, your 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 voices, comma, got it by. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Voices got you know Destroyer and and Spencer Krug and stuff. Mm -hmm. Metaphor and and imagery and stuff. Poetry. Yeah. yeah poetry. God. Yeah. Spencer Krug. Yeah. He's very, great. Very good. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, that that kind of second paragraph point that Sean made about like oh it's it's hard to it's hard to listen to these things be torn apart. Uh, that's something we 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 butt up against is the the distinction between uh, criticism and appreciation, which are yeah. which are two 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 very different things. Ho hopefully, 
we we articulated our points well enough and those snappy little hot takes at the beginning are always meant to be softened by a by a more thorough look yeah there's always like they haven't put out an album that has nothing redeeming about it right uh, you know, even around the sun, which is pretty awful, has some songs I like on it. So mm-hmm. there's always going to be that upswing. And then you look at like the second weakest album, which is probably like Document, mm-hmm. to my mind. Um, and that still has three or four songs I really like on it. Yeah. You know, so you just don't have to have to jettison them. You know, one of the things I think about with that uh, kind of appreciation versus critique thing that kind of, you know, hits the whole network is that I get I totally get people who just want that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in retro circles, like people who look back generally, that is much more common. Yeah. Like there are uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of YouTube channels that are essentially just like, wasn't this cool? Yep. And I don't mean that to be disdainful. Like that's that's great. If like that, that there's there's a definitely a, a market for that. There are people who want, like, isn't that cool? And I can engage in wasn't that coolism, mm-hmm. you know, with my buddies. I'm just not interested in making it. Like I yeah. don't I don't, it's, it's just not for me to, to do, mm-hmm. but it is a thing where it's, I think it's easy for people to go into any of our projects thinking it's going to be that because so many of them are, mm-hmm. you know, like people who look at old games, people who look at old music, things like that, like tend to be through a real lens of nostalgia. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's, you know, there's definitely some of that, like, I, you know, we, I'm just, have gotten to the point now from essentially from doing watch out for fireballs for six years that like, I'm very aware of how that's influencing me and, and where and such. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, I think I think that part of the um, kind of dissonance comes from the fact that we are fans, right? You know, we mm-hmm. we are we are fans of REM. We started this project because we like REM's music, like talking with each other about music, and this is something that we share in common between the two of us. Um, mm-hmm. But the overall product is not really a function, um, you know, on the day to day or episode by episode. Like we we kind of put that to the side just a little bit, you know. Yeah, I didn't come out of this liking REM less. No, because I, <laughs> I came I, out of it li- liking it a lot more because I found yeah. stuff that I hadn't considered in years and years. And that and that's the balance, right? Like, so it did, it did mean some songs that I could just kind of take or leave. I was forced to actually look at. Mm-hmm. You know, I hadn't I hadn't listened to Everybody Hurts for for pleasure since 1993 or whatever. <laughs> uh, but I had to sit down like, what do I think of this? Like, I actually have to codify that rather than just kind of leaving it to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, but that meant like actually sitting down and really thinking about, you know, the songs in that album I really do love, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, I gained a lot more from it than I lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but negative things stand out a lot for people, you yeah. know, kind of more than positive things. Like again, like bonfire side chat, like it, it is, uh, that is something I've learned from this is that people will, um, and I'm not, uh, calling Sean out, but like people will definitely kind of glom onto something that you say negative about something they like, more than they will when you say something positive about something they don't like, yeah, you know, or something positive that something they do like. So we could do one of these things and you know agree with somebody who really likes the album, you know, eighty percent, mm-hmm. but that twenty percent is what's going to stand out. Yeah, yeah, and that that sometimes yeah. manifests of, I can't believe you said this about X song. Yeah, yeah, or even worse, like I can't believe you hate, and then like grand thing. Mm-hmm. You know that I think I think that's really common. Yeah, you know I can't I can't believe you hate this, and it's like well, like hate is a very simplified emotion yeah and i have complex feelings on this this thing it is mm-hmm. a, a varied and, and faceted work yeah and, and i know? don't have a monopoly on complex feelings about this i'm sure if you if you looked back on it you would have complex feelings too yeah, <laughs> yeah even, even gets... if it was like pure approach even if it was like purely positive it yeah. would be like a, a richer more complicated positive mm-hmm. yeah you know and again i'm not there's no judgment like some people just don't like that and that's mm-hmm. fine 
you know, I understand like there, there's enough things to worry about where people don't want to do that to their media or, or do that to things they love. Like, Oh, for sure. You know, like we're living in, in, in end times. It feels like, you know, I keep coming back to that. Like it feels like end times. Right. Uh, you know, and like, yeah. I, it's a, uh, I can understand just like, I'm not talking to clouds on a sunny day. I'm not talking to clouds on a rainy day. Yeah. You know? Um, but it's just, you know, what I'm interested in and what I think we're good at. Yeah. No, nope. um, I mean, we, we, we've cast our lot like this is, yeah. you know, um, a value that I have and it's, you know, some, it's just what we do, you know? Yeah unapologetically uh us about it yeah um yeah so i'm I, i'm saving the big reveal for you buddy <laughs> <It's time. laughs> the big reveal it's, it's time <laughs> I, you know I, I might actually just not put this in the notes so people so we can actually yeah. be a surprise when people let's listen. Not say what it is and just talk about it yeah let's say what it is <laughs> then they'll have to figure it out slowly <laughs> oh, let me have some magic man no, uh, I, I know i'm just i'm just teasing yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm also not actually upset um uh no we're gonna talk about rem's appearance on the simpsons yeah they're yeah <laughs> they're they're incredibly small appearance in this thoroughly uh let's say bottom 20 percent episode of this show i like yeah yeah this is this is not great simpsons uh season 13 nobody loves season 13 no but uh you know it is, uh, we're going to get there. And we also, uh, you know, we know there are Simpsons podcasts out there, mm-hmm. you know, like our buddies, uh, uh, Bob and Henry and those guys do their Sim- talking Simpsons podcast. They'll get to this eventually as well. Yeah. We're going to scoop them. <laughs> claiming dominion over REM. I feel comfortable in doing this. Yes, me too. So, so yeah. Homer the Mo, uh, season 13, episode three, first aired on November 18th, 2001. Written by Dana Gould. Who you might know from podcasts. Yeah. Who's a really funny guy. Yeah. Uh, Dana, yeah Dana Gould's great. Um, and this is not like, there are some regrettable things about this episode. Yeah. There's also some things that are funny. Oh yeah. There, it, there are yeah. gags in this that I really enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's get into it. Yeah. So Ariam was, uh, they were a late addition, uh, to this episode and like a lot of guest spots on the Simpsons, I think it just came down to, oh, these famous people like the Simpsons. Well, c- call them up. Let's get them in here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, they did not. Um, so they they kind of ended up doing. It. They did not want to be next to an animated version of kind of Bill Barry, especially if Bill yeah. Barry wasn't going to be speaking. You know. Yes. Yeah. So they they just kind of did it as a, as the trilogy. Yes. With uh uh-huh. with, with an animated version of like one of their session drummers at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Who may as well be <laughs> nothing. Well, uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a little bit like that joke I said several episodes ago. I want to get that whole set of the uh, the figurines, but then just have Gerald, the uh, the the one eyebrow baby, yeah, as, as the drummer. Uh, yeah, that's as the drummer. Right. Yeah, that's what I. That, 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 in my heart of hearts, that's what I want to do. It's extremely accomplish- accomplishable. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you you could you could make that happen. I think yeah. they made a baby Gerald. It, it might have come with one of those play sets, but right, right. I bet you they made a baby Gerald. Yeah, I, I can make that happen for less than a hundred bucks. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the, uh, episode, uh, begins, it's kind of a boilerplate or, or uh, Simpsons episode too. It really like, is Ariam are definitely kind of like really, really wedged in there. <laughs> They're just kind of appended. Um, it's a boilerplate episode, but it, it's also like the, uh, the same plot they've done a couple of times. See also flame and Moe's, uh, see also, uh, uncle Moe's family feedback. This, yeah. this is one of many episodes where Moe decides to revamp his tavern. Yeah. Yeah. Be other than like the later ones where the the actual pathos episodes about Mo that happen later that are pretty misguided. Yeah, yeah. Like early early Mo episodes are okay. Mm-hmm. No. 
Yeah. Uh, so we, we begin begin at the house. Um, you know, they're eating, they're eating breakfast. Uh, the, the, the Simpsons. Yes. Um, <laughs> Lisa's very concerned that Bart, uh, is not there because his Mountain Dew is getting flat. Um, mm-hmm. and he's not there because he is digging a hole and he's doing, yeah. digging a hole so we can do some more yeah, digging. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, uh, that will make sense a little bit further into Thimbleweed Park. <laughs> okay. The, um, so yeah. So he's just kind of digging a hole. They don't know what's going on. He's just digging to dig, uh, like that awesome Breaking Bad. Yep. Thing like, what are you digging for? I don't know. It goes pretty deep. Um, <laughs> uh, they call, you know, so they call a, a psychiatrist who comes over and kind of talks to him and uh, ask if he has any problems, if there's any like shouting in the house. Uh, you know, he, he says, uh, My dad's always yelling that, that Whitey's keeping him down. Um, and uh, then we do this. This is a weird cold open. It really um, is. Because then we pull out to uh, it not being about digging, uh, it being Homer telling the story in the bar. Uh-huh. Um, and he includes like these like cutaways and stuff. Yeah. Um, I love the great humongous um, <laughs> as a character. The great humongous is real great. <laughs> the Chinese super soldier who's spying yeah. on them. Oh, the great humongous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, spying on Bart. And then Mo. So Mo is like, hey, I'm sick of you. Barflies telling your point of the stories. Um, and then they're sick of Mo. <laughs> like, hey, this is setting up Mo's crisis here. Yes, his his crisis. Mo be uh, generally being surly, but also this is edging into the time when he is just legitimate, like just completely depressed. And they play his uh, suicide attempts off for uh, for, for for humor. Yeah, the, the, not today, old friend. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, hammering it home with a line. I haven't smiled for real since the day I nailed that right that rat with an ice pick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so he said, you know, he's like, oh, you know. I, I remember when I was back in bar to, bartending school, uh, Swigmore U, um, and he says like, "Homer, you're in charge. I'm gonna go get my groove back." Um, they have a they have a pissing contest. So you can be in charge, um, and they uh, they head back to uh, head yep, back to yep. uh, heads back to school. Yep, head back to head back to old Skidmore U. I love I love Homer's misunderstanding about where the beer comes from. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. Because he, yeah, he's like, he starts just drinking out of the tap. Yeah, he just throws the tap yeah, open. It's just yeah. going all over the ground. Yeah, he's like, I got to pay for that. No, actually, people buy beer from you. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so with Mo gone, uh, you know, uh, Homer's Homer's run, run, running a, a little bit less of a tight ship, right? Yes. Um, you know, we got Lenny uh, flinging bags of fast food up into the fans. Homer tries to fix the jukebox by Fonzie hitting it, breaking the glass. Whoa, hemorrhage of Mundo. Yeah. 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 Pretty good. Um, yeah. Uh, we get to we get to the the university. There are a couple of like pretty classic Simpsons jokes about um uh, uh adjunct, you know, or, or grad students. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where you know, where they're, they're feeding him. Um the uh the his mentor, his old uh professor says, like, hey, if you beautify your bar, you'll beautify your soul. And the, one of my favorite jokes in the episode where he's just was like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And he goes, I'm dying. Mo, And then walks into the pond yeah. uh, to die, which is that kind of like good dark that late Simpsons can still be. Yep. Uh, which I, I'm way into. Yeah. I'm happy you like that because I was going to gush about it. Too. Yeah. I like that joke quite a bit. It's, it's very good. Uh, it's not even dampened when they decide to put a bow on it. Like, Hey, why are you going swimming with your shoes on? Like, yeah, just, yep. It's a, uh, Simpsons does suicide jokes. Yeah. And I think they're cool. Yeah. I just think it's cool. I don't know. It's, it's an endorsement. You, know, it's awesome. you endorse yeah, it's an endorsement. This. Yeah, it's absolutely an endorsement. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, anywho. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, so Mo comes back and Homer's really upset. He believes, you know, he thinks Mo is, uh, terror, you know, vandalizing the bar, thinks he's a dirty teen. 
Uh, but Mo is actually brought in for Maiko, the interior designer, to make this look like uh, look like an Apple store on the outside. Well, called M. M. My, my, everyone's favorite Simpsons character for Maiko. <laughs> yep. Um, so it, it's Pomo, post Mo, postmodern uh, is the idea. Nobody can figure it out. Uh, but it's just kind of weird. Like there are eyeballs everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I love Lenny and the, the hamster wheel. <laughs> I can't get out. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is postmodernism and run amok. Yep. Yeah. Super, super good. Yeah. Um, I uh, recently watched a, a super cut of like all Lenny's greatest hits on YouTube. Oh, Lenny's so good. I, I love Lenny and Carl. Like those, those guys are, are extremely good. Except even in shitty episodes, like even the one where Barney gets sober. Yeah. The, good. There's, there's nothing up for me in that helicopter. And Carl's like, no, don't be so sure, big guy. <laughs> and so, it's just like very sweet and good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not very much a fan of the, uh, of, of Carl's spotlight episode where we find out that he's from Iceland. I don't know if I've seen that one. Ooh, it's you no definitely good. Did, like, did a full series rewatch that includes like the later episodes that I have not watched. Yes. So. Yeah. 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 I also have Simpsons world, which I just have started uh, for the past three months, just been watching random episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not... <laughs> See, the thing is when, when you have every single one, the, the odds are that you're not going to get the good ones. So, mm-hmm. you know, but it's also a lot of work to, and by a lot of work, I mean, not much at all, but sometimes you're just in bed. And so like, yep, I'm just watching this. I'm watching this, uh, episode about how Carl's from Iceland. I watch, uh, garbage Simpsons on planes all the time. Oh yeah. So like, you know, it, it, cause they usually only have the last four episodes and I, uh, I have the DVDs, but didn't feel like, uh, through a dumb series of like upgrading my computer, my DVD drive on my computer is not connected. Okay. And I didn't want to fix it. So I torrented the first 10 seasons, which I have on DVD, but mm-hmm. I wanted them on my computer to watch. Uh, and then I thought I was getting, uh, I clicked, you know, misclicked or something and ended up accidentally downloading the most recent season. Hmm. So I have like season 28. I can check that shit out yeah. uh, whenever I want. And like probably <laughs> will because there's Simpsons episodes I haven't seen before, even if they are garbage. Right. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. Um. So this is where we get there. There are two kind like of real bad transphobic jokes. In y- this. Yeah. And so like uh, on my watch through um, on my watch throughs that were not just random when you watch, they hit this point in like the late 90s and early 2000s where they just the punchline is the word she Yeah. Like it's it's not great when they do that. It happened a lot uh, during this period of time. Yeah. Um, because this is like a little, little bit after the critic, but still kind of contemporary and the critic hit that stuff really hard, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, it just kind of, is the kind of thing you notice, mm-hmm. uh, now that I didn't notice then sticks out like a sore yeah. thumb. Yep. Um, so it's, it's, uh, the idea is Mo is cozying up to some hot Russian models and, uh, they used to be men as the joke. Uh huh. Because um, after and- Chernobyl, their penises fell off. Yes. Lol. Um, so the, you know, just again, the joke being that, you know, tricking somebody and having sex with somebody who used to be a man is the ultimate, Yes. uh, the ultimate indignity is the joke here. And it's, it's not super good. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> so disenchanted with Moe's efforts, he has decided, Homer has decided to start up his own bar in his, uh, in his garage, uh, and to, uh, get around liquor laws by calling it a hunting club. Yes. Um, and so like April night too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and, and so he has uh, decided to, you know, the, the, the final touch is to have Lisa na- help him nail up the urinal. Yeah, to a wall. I love uh, jokes on The Simpsons about how, like, pipe's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's like, it could, like that's happened a bunch. Yeah. And it's, like, such a good, like, thing about, like, you know, the the uh, the conception of a toilet as a kid <laughs> and then the conception of a toilet as an adult. Uh-huh. 
Um, really, really like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. So this is also some like late season creep, and by late season I mean less than halfway through um, <clears throat> of, of creep into like weird absurd jokes. Where we find out that uh, Homer's lack of follow through is demonstrated by the fact that he um, has made a robot that uh, is functional enough to beg him for legs, but he didn't actually give it legs. Yeah, we 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 know about Homer's robot building proclivities from Itchy and Scratchy Land. Yep, like see all that stuff in there. That's why your robot didn't work. And then his robot, you can kind of chart his robot building. Yep, uh, prowess. Well, he's given it emotions. Yeah. yeah, he can give it emotions. So he can't. Uh, he, he was able to make it not only operate but also feel. Yes, um, I, I like that that throwaway joke quite a bit. It's, it's very good. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and so Mo. Um, follows Homer. He is also disillusioned and the ghost of his mentor comes back to mock him, even though they are friends. Like, it just doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. they, they, there, they, good. There's a bunch of good jokes, like just kind of showing club M, you yeah, know, as being yeah. kind of nonsense. And there's the, you know, the people within and, and such, there's a couple of good jokes there. Like there's a part where like they stick him in the dark corner of the bar. <laughs> uh there for, for, like for, no for michael uh uh he unscrews the light bulb above homer yeah, lenny and carl just above them oh yeah yeah just above them before they leave it's not it's, you know it's not mo but right. yeah <laughs> um, and then just the, the weird eyes and stuff like yeah. you know he, there's, a, there's good stuff like that he changes the channel on one of the itvs to a sports game and like if you're not yeah. doing that ironically you have to cut it out yeah i, I was watching that yeah <laughs> the uh you know so um we get to cut to um, the, the Homer's bar with Lenny and Carl are there and they're singing I love rock and roll, uh, but they're changing the lyrics to be about Mo being a big jerk and a shemale. That's the second super transphobic thing. Yeah. Um, also, so we, we hit that, but also these late Simpsons have this weird like. So when people talk about the evolution of the Simpsons and, uh, you know, they talk about uh, the, the, the concept known as jerk ass Homer, mm -hmm. which is like when Homer stopped having any kind of feelings and just being like a sociopathic jerk. Right. Um, and then uh, Bob and those guys are really fond or not fond of, but they point out a couple of times like Jurgas Homer was extant well before. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. season, like he, he was you know, in season three. Like, yeah, like there, there's, you know, there's, there's some parts that are just kind of cruel. Mm -hmm. um, this kind of focus on him, them singing yeah, and not like original songs, but just kind of doing stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, fucking drives me up the wall. Like it, <laughs> it is so dumb and, and, and not funny. And it happens twice in this episode. There's this part and there's the part where he starts singing along to it's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah. And it really bothers me. Oh, and, and he's, <laughs> he's done that. Like, like Homer, the, the gag of Homer just making up lyrics to a song yes. happens way earlier than this. I don't know like, if it's just like Hank Hazaria's performance being like a little bit too much. There's a little I'm, bit too much. I'm sorry. Gusto. I'm sorry. You mean Dan Castellaneta? Dan Castellaneta. <laughs> Um, well, I've been listening to the, the, the secret episode of the Simpsons that <laughs> yeah. I don't know I've been watching in, uh, Espanol. Yes. Um, the, uh, no, Dan Castellano, thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I know who's, I know Homer's voice. So this is vocal tech. I just, I'm just, I just, the I just wanted now. to help you. No, it's okay. I just don't want to, I don't want angry Simpsons fans yeah. to converge on me. I have, <laughs> have, uh, Henry Gilbert, like throw a brick through my window. Um, <laughs> but the, he like uh, a super nice dude. He's, he's a, he's a really sweet guy. Okay. Um, but he's got a throwing arm, like a motherfucking cannon. <laughs> Um, so, but, uh, it just, it's like too much gusto and it's in the sound mix. It's too, too loud or something. Uh -huh. I find it really annoying. Yeah. Like really annoying. Yeah. No, he was doing uh, it with like Christmas carols back in season three. Oh, or season yeah. Four. That's, that's yeah. no fun. Yeah. It's, it's an, they're extremely annoying jokes. Mm -hmm. So th this, I love rock and roll thing is very annoying too. Yeah. Uh, this is also um, paired up with a, uh, super great coyote, ugly, 
uh, send up of them dancing on the bar. Yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> Good, good. Remember, remember Coyote Ugly Mania? I was, I, I've been rewatching uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and there's a, like it's a prominent plot point in like season one as well. Yeah, the whole the whole country had Coyote Ugly Mania. Yep, um, Coyote Ugly. So, so this is in 2001. Like that was a, probably a little bit more current. Um, Sunny had no excuse. That show began in 2004. That should have yeah. Coyote Coyote, really uh, Coyote Ugly should not should have been way out of our system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Striptease also or. Uh, what is the the stripping? What I think Show, of showgirls. Showgirls, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> showgirls, Castaneda. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, you know, he's putting the kids to work because he's an abusive asshole. Right. At home. Um, you know, Lisa wants to go to bed. It's school night. Um, he's, you know, she's he's making her cut lemons uh, <laughs> that they're not using. Yep. You can go as soon as you finish the lemons. Yep. Uh. <laughs> And so Mo has left his bar and he walks by Homer's. He's going to go, you know, reconnect with his buddy. And here's REM playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, yeah. and they're doing End of the World because it is the song that, that Homer can do his nonsense lyrics over top of, which in, yes. which includes the admittedly good phrase Herman Munster motorcade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is. Uh, but it is a, a really annoying scene to me. Yeah. Um, all the stuff with actually with REM is good, though. Oh, very much so. I, th- I think they, they, they comport themselves really well. Yes. So P- Peter and Michael are saying, like, are you sure this this is a benefit for the rainforest? Well, why would a yeah. poor person have a bar in his garage? Yeah. <laughs> poor person have a bar, uh, a bar in their garage. There's a great cutaway thing with Mike Mills. Oh, I love this. Uh, this asking is, the guys, this, this is really this is my joke of the episode. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is this my is joke really of my life. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is so perfect. Mike Mills is pee shy. Uh, yeah. he, he's he's at the nailed up urinal and Lenny is just standing next to him doing what I would do saying, got to pee, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Asking to see if, uh, if, if somebody can, uh, uh, you know, they are, they are members of REM can form a shield yeah. around him. And just, just so Mike Mills can just pee onto Homer's wall. <laughs> yeah. uh, just, just leak into, uh, his, his floorboards. Yeah. There. I also, um, I just also, like this, like the, like the way that shot is composed, you can also see the devil's advocate pinball machine. Oh yeah. May I play devil's advocate? Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is one of my favorite jokes. I laugh every time the devil's good, advocate yeah. thing comes up. I love devil's advocate. It's a, the, the image is really good. Uh-huh. Um, also really good. I love this. Uh, when they find out and Michael Snipe is about to stab him, <laughs> it's very funny. Like, it's a uh, you know well acted and and real good. So my you know Michael Sight finds out he was tricked, and breaks uh-huh. a bottle. It's about to cut Homer's throat uh, <laughs> with it, and uh, they calm him down. Uh, Peter Buck says, "No, Mike, Michael, no, that's not the REM way." Uh, <laughs> You're right. Let's recycle these shards and get out of here. Which yeah. again, you know, play, play, plays into message. It's on brand. Yes. <laughs> so <clears throat> then we get into like, is this the the fourth act of this episode? Yeah, like, this is this is real late, you know, late Simpsons problem is this just kind of jumping all around. Because remember, this started with like Bart digging like it is it is a a weird, unfocused <laughs> mess. It is it is four different episodes that are yeah. all that are all put together. And this is also something that they have done before, because, hey, remember the episode where John Waters guested? And it's great. they, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. And they took Bart yeah. hunting to make him a man. And Lisa was like, no, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Well, they do it again. Because yeah. Mo is upset that Homer has started his own bar and abandoned him and says, well, if you're a hunting club, you have to actually go hunting. So why don't we go hunting? Yeah. So so they all 
they'll go hunting. Um, there's a great little exchange between Lisa and Mo, which is a pair up you don't often see. Yeah. Uh, where Mo's like, I don't like you and you don't like me. And she says, uh, you don't like me? I like you. Yeah, I like you too. <laughs> here's, a, here's a towelette. Like, it's very cute. Yep. Um, very good. And Mo manages to uh, stop the turkey from being hunted because of his newfound friendship with Lisa by scaring it away with a cougar call. And Homer shoots it trying to back the, the cougar. Uh, so Homer shoots Mo because he's a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And it turns out um, not only was this, uh, you know, two regular episodes of The Simpsons, not only was this a guest appearance by R.E.M., a gigantic band, this was a Thanksgiving episode because it ends with Thanksgiving dinner. I This made me think when, you know, before I revisited it, thinking that R.E.M. was on two episodes. <laughs> Because I was like, oh, Ariam's on that Thanksgiving episode. Because I I remember the the gluten line. They they make they have a tofurkey, mm-hmm. and it's just like you know, mmm, gluten. <laughs> Eat those curds, Bart. You know, like Michael Stipe's weird flat delivery uh, of that. I just always remembered it. But I was yeah. like, oh yeah, they also like. There's something with Mo. Yeah, I had no idea. Like that. Like I remembered Bart digging. I remembered Club Mo. I remembered Ariam playing in the garage, and I remember the Thanksgiving part. I totally forgot about the hunting thing. So, yeah. of the five elements of this plot, I remembered four of them and thought they were in four distinct episodes. Yep, it's a real structural mess. Is yeah, what it's, it is. it's it is not a great episode of The Simpsons. No, um, there are good jokes in it. It's that, but it's very indicative of that period. Yeah. Where it's like, and REM would have, you know, not wouldn't necessarily have made sense. Like they weren't the kind of guest star they would have during Golden Age Simpsons. No, no. Like there were definitely guest stars earlier on than people usually think. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, Michael Jackson episode, most notably. Well, yeah, I mean, in that one, it, they played with it, mm-hmm. you know, and then also, you know, they had uh, Dustin Hoffman and stuff. But even ones that were kind of just like, look at all the celebrities, like yeah. season four or whatever begins with the crusty comeback special. Mm-hmm episode which is like all just like yeah crudler <laughs> yeah crudler i love elizabeth taylor during that episode because she doesn't do anything they're just like these kids wanted to do a special no and then like that's it like she's only like she gets like three lines and they're just being really mean and dismissive yeah um i just, I just watched that one recently yeah but um yeah I, and i also i'm I'm way into crudler um does she also does she also uh call him crustula and that um, one yeah, is that yeah, where Crustula comes from? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so so they did that kind of girly guest star stuff, but like mm-hmm. just having REM be REM yeah. wouldn't have made much sense. You know, they could have done, done the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, that, that, know, that was going to be the citation that. I was going to give. Like, e- even though, man, like the, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are really perfect for that, even though like they're a bad band because of when uh, they go into the bar at the end and they're all happy. Uh-huh. And Flea's like, hey, Uh, (laughs) like throws his arms up like the delivery is extremely good it's very Uh, good i also i also like uh crusty convincing them to clean up give it away i i I like that (laughs) these lyrics are good for everybody um see this is if you want the duck feed like just you know just gushing yeah yeah we just need to do one simpsons episode every six years right so if we if we did a whole simpsons podcast we'd eventually get cynical about it but Mm -hmm. if we just talk about the simpsons every six years <laughs> it's just going to be us like remember when that thing happened that was great yeah um, so. but it's fun to talk about because we're both really oh, yeah. enthusiastic yeah because it's, it's the, the the closest thing our generation has to the beatles like it uh-huh. is it is the best thing yeah so um yeah this is this is super fun like uh the the the, the rm appearance anyway it's misguided like i don't yeah. think it, it like it, i wish it was in a better episode who knows if Me it too. could have been but like 
it's it, I don't know, like the, there's this like secondhand happy where I'm happy that these people that I like and respect were able to go on a show made by people they liked and respected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 and, and they're, it's true to character like they don't end up like doing anything embarrassing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's 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 before The Simpsons got so shitty and egregious where like someone would just walk up to Homer and be like, hi, Homer, I'm Tony Hawk. You yeah, know, and yeah. that would be kind of the joke. Like, at least they play themselves. It's not just like, what if Homer encountered X culture? Right. You um, know, which has become a real problem of the last half of the series. I was watching, uh, again, a random episode yesterday. It was like the a, a whole bunch of them were trying to, like, group write a fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. And um, Neil, Neil Gaiman shows up. <clears throat> And mm-hmm. there's a there's a there's a joke where like, uh, oh, gosh, Mo doesn't know who Neil Gaiman is like, oh, he's going to be on our team. Well, I don't care if he wrote Sandman volume one uh, preludes and nocturnes. He's not going to like, OK, so you're just mm-hmm. saying that <laughs> like, yeah. you're you're just doing the hi, I'm Tony Hawk. But for a d- it, there's too much deference. Yeah. To the guest stars. So like Ariema's on this one and they're kind of made fun of a little bit. Yes. You know, it's not like uh the characters or writers are not kind of worshipful of them. No, which is no. what would happen later. Like that's a, that's a real problem with later guest stars where it's yeah, like, I'm, you know, wow, Lady Gaga. And then like Lady Gaga goes, hi, Lisa, you know, mm-hmm. here's a thing. And then, but everyone's like, wow, the creator of blank and blank. Like they, <laughs> they are trying to lampshade it, but um, lampshading is not good enough. No. Nine l- times out of 10. L- lampshading uh, is still an acknowledgement of the shitty thing. <laughs> yeah. Like it is never a good sign when characters are standing around criticizing the plot right, you know, or criticizing right. your product. Yeah. Um, no. And here, like, like the, the, the entire premise is like, it's based on REM. Like, Oh, like the, the, it, it might actually be super easy to trick them into doing something for a good cause. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and they just, you know, they just, they, they, they comport themselves with dign- dignity mm-hmm. throughout. Yeah. So, which is not a function of them. That's a function of the writers of the Simpsons. Right, right. Of, you know, that's a function of Dana Gould. Mm-hmm. Um, did it go? Got Gould. Um, <laughs> but the, um, yeah. So yeah. good, good episode. Happy to revisit it. Um, <laughs> good episode. Yeah. Good, good, good app. Uh, good, good, good enough app. Seven out of 10. Yeah. Seven out of 10. Uh, good, good for the, man, I was, I was, I said the last half of the series, but really we're talking about two thirds of the series oh, yeah. at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy how like the preponderance of Simpsons now is like, eight good seasons out of 28. Yep. You know, no, the bonkers, the, 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 the era of the Simpsons that we talk about is just the white of the toenail. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Very, very little. (sighs) So that was fun. I'm happy. We got a chance to do that. We have one final thing before we go and wrap everything up. Mm -hmm. Gary, this was your idea. So I'm going to throw it to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's my fault. Um, I thought it would be fun to do a uh, a top 10 a, yeah. a informal non-legally binding <laughs> uh top 10 rem songs yeah just so uh, keep, yeah keep in mind like this might change tomorrow or what have you oh it's changed five times on the way even after i got it down to 10 i've been subbing i've been subbing things out like i'm building the pokemon team yeah <laughs> the um yeah you're, you're you're putting together your thing um i realize now that when i first put this idea together which was august 17th so I'll give you some context <laughs> about six weeks ago um i did not put these in in order oh wow properly i just i did my 10 and thought i would come back and put them in order uh-huh uh so i didn't quite rank these do you want to make uh, correctly um no, I'll do it on the fly. Okay. Because, yeah, fuck it, man. Let's uh, let, let's go crazy. Let's let's do it. This is the REM way. Um, 
because I think I think that they might be roughly in kind of an order, just naturally how I came to them. Okay. Um, in an order like oh, starting with my favorite, or let's, let's uh, start starting with... at least favorite. We got to we got to count up. Oh, of course, yeah. For the drama, but I'll, I'll let you go first, so I can. I'll, I'll when I say do it on the fly, I'll do it in the margins. Yeah. When yeah. I when when I'm pretending to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just cool. Yeah. No, it's, I'm used to it. I mean, and I, I do a podcast with Chris. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um so my number 10 maps and legends off of fables of the reconstruction Ah, Uh, a beautiful song yep love that song way into it we're not going to comment on all of them no just uh i'm I'm into that as number 10 uh my number 10 uh oh my heart hmm so something late snuck on that's that song which is the song from that album i've listened to the most yes and uh and and dearly dearly love yeah that is a also a good one um Mm -hmm. number nine disturbance at the heron house Ooh, interesting yeah yeah um, i got i got no uh no documents on this one yeah so. i i I had to make a hard choice between document green and out of time like what from mm. that era was going to be what was going to make it on here and uh heron house ended up winning so yeah not uh that, that is a good song yes i'm with you um my uh my number nine uh on this list is uh green grow the rushes Mm. Uh, fables of the reconstruction a song that we famous we had one of our classic duck feed showdowns yeah. about the uh but I, I i love that song dearly yeah um yeah it's, it's good i like I, I don't dislike it i listened to all the albums again and that was one i remember enjoying <laughs> so <laughs> it's weird when you get out of the thick of it um oh yeah number eight the great beyond a single oh yeah yeah, yeah that's that's a great song yes i uh, didn't make my list but i love that song the um my uh my number eight is going to be Ebo the Letter. Okay. Um yeah. Very good. That song I love. Yep. I have a different uh d- a different hi fi, a little bit higher up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's your number seven? My number seven is Harbor Coat from Reckoning. Ooh. Yep. Also on my list. <laughs> a little a little bit higher up, but that's definitely uh, uh my on uh, my thing. Um we're on seven. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. That's part of the reason of not numbering these, part of the uh <laughs> the difficulty. Uh, my number seven is Cuyahoga mm. uh, from Life Search Pageant. Yeah, um, I had to. That was another difficult choice for me. Um, an honorable mention. Yeah, Cuyahoga is an honorable mention um, mm-hmm. from pretty high up as well. Um, yeah. Number six from Murmur, we've got Laughing. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, I love laughing. <laughs> hey, I love to laugh. <laughs> I love uh, to laugh. <laughs> I love to laugh. <laughs> Um, my, uh, my number six is going to be, uh, day sleeper. Yeah. 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 Song that I, I dearly love as well. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. <laughs> what do you got for number five? Number five, leave from new adventures in hi-fi. Interesting. Yeah. That's a, that is a great song. No arguments there. <laughs> um, together you can combine, you can shuffle our, our picks and make a top 20. Yeah. Uh, my number five, uh, is wolves lower. Mm. Um, Another yeah. honorable mention for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's, what's your four? Number four, Uberlin. Yeah, there's there's your your later entry. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, a, a tremendous amount of affection for that song. Yeah, it is a great song. Yeah. It's really good. That album is, has had legs. Yes. Uh, I have not listened to Accelerate again since we recorded about it, <laughs> but I've listened to uh, Claps and Now several times. Yes. Um, we're on number four. Number four, yes. Is it? Yes. Uh, my number four uh, is These Days, um, also from Life Search Pageant. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, number three for me, Boxcars, Carnival of Sorts. Uh, excellent song Off on my, down. you know, on my honorable mentions. Honorable. Bubble. Yeah, it was bubble, either bubble. it was either that or Wolves Lower. Off of Chronic Time for Man. Yeah. I, I just I like Carnival of Sorts a little bit more. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, What's your number three? My number three is here. Now, now I'm getting down to where I am. I am picking on the fly here, <laughs> and I'm down to the top three, so it's pretty tricky. I think my number three is probably Half a World Away. Mm. Uh, that is very good. That, that that was one that went um, really high in my in my list. Yeah, yeah, love that song. Yeah. Um. Wow. Okay. So number two. Here we yeah. go. Yeah. Getting getting intense here. Number two from Automatic for the People. We have Man on the Moon. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. I only wanted to have one big single on my list, and of mm. all of them, that is the one that um, I like listening to the most, and has also, I think, uh, impacted my appreciation of the band the most. Yeah. Yep. Uh, my number two uh, is Harbor Court, Harbor Coat. Yeah. From uh, Reckoning. So it'll uh, be a top Harbor 19. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the um, yeah. Uh, love that number there. Is and uh, in, in very direct competition with my number one. Um, all right number one here we go number one man this is this feels so fraught gary yeah people man if if people (laughs) listen to this they would be writing in if they had had an opportunity to if like it just goes into a garbage chute now (laughs) that email direct it just goes to the trash damon (laughs) yep it goes goes to trash at the garbage.com okay um no my 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 number one is Mm -hmm. off of life's rich pageant begin Mm -hmm. the begin yeah I, i figured that would show up yes uh there um, at some point, um, which is a great song. Yeah. Um, and my number one is man on the moon. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Which is, uh, yeah, a, you know, big, big single and everything. And maybe didn't, how much I love that song possibly didn't come across during the episode, but I mm-hmm. think it is like weirdly perfect and represent, you know, representative of a lot of good REMness. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, like d- designing this was a lot of fun. Um, I don't often pick top 10 or anything like that, but in you know taking all of the songs of rem and listening to them and saying okay like this one getting it down to like a top 50 and and then Mm -hmm. starting to rank them and stuff you know i feel like this you know these 10 songs represent the things that i love about rem throughout the ages you know that Mm -hmm. you know is not just stuff that would be on a greatest hits right yeah it would be a killer if we took uh all the non-duplicates from our list and put them on a mixtape that'd be a killer mixtape that would be something i could easily do like on apple music or spotify yeah yeah, and I, I recognize mine uh, list, and and also your list. I get both of them are kind of heavy on singles, um, yeah. of a, of a sort. Uh, maybe not, excuse me, not huge singles, mm-hmm. but still, you know, singles. But like, we talked about that a lot during the episodes. Like, REM is not a, a singles band. Like those songs fit into the albums mm-hmm. until kind of later. Yeah, uh, when they don't. But uh, you know, they still end up like they still end up putting a lot of their good work mm-hmm. into that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And yeah, I, what I did was I took the track list from every album and then chose two or three songs from each album. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, which of these do I like more? Yeah. Kind of eliminate down. Yeah. So I never had like a top 50, but I had like, I always knew, uh, you know, from what was on, you know, what was a represent representative from Life Search Pageant? What was a representative from Reckoning? Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's tough. You know, if you're talking about a top 10, they've done 15 albums. One of my songs here is not from an album. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, at best you could call it a hanger on to, you know, to the up era. Um, yeah. You know, so you have to get rid of a bunch of stuff. So even that, re- you know, representative of an album um, kind of take uh, is, is, is is a little rough. 
and like deciding which one to get rid of accelerate not an, not not an awesome album however hollow man is really good yeah yeah <laughs> it know? wouldn't be it wouldn't be crazy to put a song from there there on no, there i was no. surprised like probably the biggest um surprise from like doing the show and kind of revisiting this is like how much uh like i'm very surprised at myself that there's nothing from murmur mm-hmm. on my list and i don't feel bad about it like yeah i like i think that album's really good it's just not uh you know something about that production just kind of like kills it for me yeah it's a weird thing like i you know i almost put radio for europe on there because that song is a masterpiece like that's very good but like it just uh you know listen to it and i was just like man (laughs) it's not it's just like it can't it can't hold up for me yeah and it doesn't have the uh the 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 high highs like chronic town or uh reckoning have yeah yeah it is uh, that was probably the biggest surprise of doing the show um for me well it has been a lot of fun doing the show with you gary um, yeah, from this way, has been good. From from way back when in the Metal Morph episode of Abject Suffering, um, <laughs> which was just an episode about REM, and I'm sure if I went back and listened to it, I would be, um, you know, pr- pretty mortified at some of the wrong things I said just based on memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Bono was the lead singer of REM. Yeah, it just yeah. Uh, boy, I really messed that up. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, to kind of talking about it off and on in uh, Duck Feed Lives, uh, it, you know, it's awesome talking about music with you and it's been cool to like look at this thing that i really enjoy front to back yeah it's been it's been really fun and i found a bunch of like you know b-sides and songs i never heard before that are still like you know i listen to yeah you know like a theme from two steps onward and that cover of uh favorite writer is incredible yeah uh and better than the original (laughs) um which i i listened to some some magda magda pop and like they're good but the rem cover that's much better yeah um Um, that redhead walking uh cover that they did like i still listen to that (laughs) yeah it's been it's been nice to find you know find a bunch of extra songs i feel like i found you know if not you know an uneven album or a really really great ep of extra material from like one of my favorite bands yeah which Um, is a great feeling yeah and i've i've gained just a tremendous appreciation for rem as a group of people and also as like i don't know a little bit of an example of how to uh, of how to do creative work right yeah. You know, I think that there are a lot of lessons to be learned by even just looking at their story and the way they decided to run things and comport themselves. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, uh, the story of REM, you know, if you're not getting it through this podcast, like if you get it through a book or what have you, or when eventually like when a documentary comes out, yeah. um, like an inclusive one, like, uh, is a good story. And, uh, you know, they are in the, the, the strictest sense of the word inspirational. Yes. Um, um, and it's also been cool talking with, uh, talking with people on Slack, um, yeah. sharing their REM stories and sharing, uh, differing views on things that they liked that we hated and vice versa. And hate is a strong word. I just use that yeah. to play it up the way I play up how few people listen to this. Like it's still a big number. Like these are numbers that I would kill for, you know, even, even two years ago. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the show is fine. It's just judging on a curve. Yeah. Um, just to address this again, because we're at the end of the, the thing, um, no plans, to replace this in the schedule. Yes. So, uh, you know, and that might be frustrating to people, but you know, us, this was a Patreon milestone goal. Um, we're trying to make those all not perpetual projects. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably actually, you know, longer than, than a, you know, a project might be mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. Like this was a lot of episodes. Um, so, but we are, we have other things we're planning to do. Mm-hmm. We just can't, uh, it can't be like the wire where like the wire just kept adding characters and adding characters without actually eliminating any plots. Right. You know, we have, it has some plots have to be eliminated so we can make room for new ones. Yes. Um, so the, 
no plans. That doesn't mean, you know, never is a long time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean something won't happen or we decide to do this again. Right. Um, you know, probably not for something like a band that has quite as many uh, uh, albums, but I can see us doing a limited series on something. Yeah, doing a crew um, cast. Yeah, doing that. Well, crew cast would take as long as this. Yeah, like he's got he's got a lot of stuff. <laughs> but we could do we could do a sunset rubdown cast, and yeah. and that would be good because those early albums. I don't know if you give them any time, but like they're growing on me. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't like them at first, but like they're growing on me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like we could do something like that. Uh, that might happen. Nothing on the schedule. No plans yeah. right now. You know, we got our, our bead set on. Like, we've been hovering around Heartbeat City forever on the Patreon. Um, you know, those damn credit card declinations <laughs> keep uh, keep fucking us up. Right. Um, but we want to get up to that. And then we have some other kind of limited run. Yeah. Stuff. You know, and uh, in the future. with the time that is freed up by a bonfire side chat ending and this ending as well. We're, you know, replacing that with different stuff in different ways, either with more Watch Out for Fireballs, which is our Games Club show. I've been doing more streaming recently, which has been a lot of fun. People seem mm-hmm. to enjoy that, you know, like it, not strictly related to music. Um, you know, if you're looking for something like this to fill that part of your life. Uh, but we are, you know, <laughs> the, 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 there is a fixed amount of work that we do. Yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, this this has been the uh, the month to learn about what new WAF actually is as far as a workload mm-hmm. you know, because the final fantasy month, like that was like one gigantic game, Yeah, but doing a uh, resident evil October has been, uh, you know, took a lot of time. We've been recording a lot. Yeah. Um, that show, which is good. It's all fun into doing it. And um, we have the space, but just letting you know why we're not in a rush just to be like, okay, do Bowie next. Right. You know, um, but maybe sometime in the future, uh, until then though, we think, you know, everybody who listened to the show, um, is really fun to do it remains the rss isn't going anywhere mm-hmm. so if you have friends who like rem or who you think might like the show point them towards us yeah this is um, i mean forever it's a document yeah. yep uh yeah um i think that's probably about it Just about. uh so uh until next time which we, you know if and when that happens <laughs> uh, it is the end of the podcast as we know it and we feel fine Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. All right.